Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Marcy. I'm back from a little hiatus. I want to thank Laura O'Reilly, um, who ably fit, filled in uh, for me um, and had some great podcasts. I really enjoyed them. Um, but I'm back with an uh, interview I've wanted to do for, for a little while, um, and I'm joined by Bronco Burkich. Uh, Bronco is the, the founder and also the editor-in-chief of The Daily Maverick, um, which is uh, based in South Africa, in Cape Town. Bronco, welcome. Thank you very much. So I, we, I forget when we met, maybe a year or so ago. And, and uh, you came to our offices in New York and, you know, I knew you're from South Africa, but you had the name Bronco Burkage. So I had a like, I was like, ah, I have, I have ties to, uh, to, to that part of the world. So I knew you were Serbian. Um, so I want to like talk a little bit about like your background and then, cause I think it probably applies to the Daily Maverick um, and what you're, um, you're doing there because you grew up. In, in Yugoslavia. Yep. And you left in, in 91 when it was all falling apart. Yeah. Yep. It was, um, it was the most horrible time of my life. Yeah. And so then you, you relocated, I mean, there's a, there's a giant Serbian, um, diaspora. Um, and so you relocated to, to South Africa. Um, I'm just also wondering like, what, what did the sort of experience? Cause I mean, a lot of us, here in the United States, we're sort of dealing with, you know, uh, government institutions buckling in, in some degree. Um, and I think you, you've relocated to a place that, that has its own challenges when it comes to institutions and corruption and whatnot. Um, talk to me a little bit about that experience of, um, of, of seeing, you know, what I'm sure when you grew up, you know, Yugoslavia was this stable government, um, to seeing that like happen. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, Yugoslavia was a, for most of my most of my youth was a happy place. We there was a special kind of socialism. Um, we didn't really um, feel in any way restricted um, in doing anything except being politically active and having a freedom of expression. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I I grew up uh, actually. I grew, I grew up not really uh, yearning for it uh, because I didn't know that was that was uh, it was a big thing. Uh, but I did grow up um, loving my country. You know, as as 1980s came in and um, as um, President Tito died, President Tito was the guy who, through his sheer power personality, kept the country together since 19 uh, since 1945. Um, things started to to to. Um, go pretty bad and within 10 years of the country that was famous for its uh, brotherhood and unity um, disintegrated uh, in a complete mess and a civil war um, so uh, I came of age um, in that period and uh, in 1984 um, I became uh, one of the first book publishers in, in Yugoslavia uh, and in 1989 uh, when the um, Breaks were lifted on, um, you know, publishing activity. We created a, what was then biggest privately owned publishing house in uh, in Yugoslavia. In that process, um, um, we observed a a country that was falling apart. And in my case, um, you know, I got really increasingly bitter, and uh, I was seeking um, I was seeking, seeking to 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 voice my my frustrations and. Uh, um, um, in July 1991, we started preparing a book that was exposing the populist uh, policies of Slobodan Milosevic. And uh, 
the book came out at the end of uh, October, uh, and uh, and soon afterwards I was drafted in civil war, uh, mm. and I don't know if there was a connection. I cannot say there was a connection. I just cannot. But the whole idea of me going to civil war and fighting against my brothers in Croatia, uh, it was just it was just you know disgusting. It was just something that I could not could not live with. And uh, basically, it was the moment for me to leave the country. So mm-hmm. I left the country in, in November 1991. And in yeah. December 1991, I found myself in uh, another country. From a very complicated place. I mean, because my wife Ooh. is Serbian, so I know, you know that, of, yeah. uh, the complications. Yep. And then you went yep. to possibly a more complicated place in South yeah. Africa. They, yeah, my, my, my English was really rudimentary in those days. Uh, and I, people kept telling me that I um, um, moved from the frying pan to open fire. And I was like, yeah, I found myself in South Africa, which was a place that was a really, really uh, fearful at that moment. But like, talk to me about how you get into independent media. I, wanna, I don't want to fast forward through everything, but you know, yeah. uh, how you got into Daily Maverick. Because I mean, South Africa went through um, uh, this period, this hopeful period. Um, I think it probably extended even into Mbeki, I don't know, as an outsider, but like, obviously the Zuma regime um, had, had really brought to the fore, you know, yeah. corruption always comes with, with, with one party government, honestly. But um, explain to me what, how the, the, the origins of the Daily, Daily Maverick. And- yeah, well, I managed to get back, go back to publishing in 1998. Um, um, I launched the magazines for National Parks and I launched the magazine called Brainstorm uh, in 2001. But there's one one thing about about all things that I was doing is that I was essentially unemployable. <laughs> you know, okay. um, basically, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's it's just difficult when you have your own visions and your own um, values. It's it's difficult to to um, work in a corporate space. And yeah. in 2000, 2005, I launched a magazine um, called Maverick. <laughs> and the, the idea of Maverick was to, to do really quality journalism. And, um, and we did. We did a really, really good quality journalism, uh, except it was difficult to make it profitable. Yeah. Uh, in 2007... So this uh, 2005, like you were, this was, was this focus on business? Yeah, this magazine was, um, uh, <laughs> the first tagline we had was a business magazine for people with brains and money. <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were very outrageous. Uh, it was a combination um, of um, our Vanity Fair uh, Fortune magazine and the, the spice of um, Top Gear, which I think your, your guys would better know is a grand tour. In yeah. on Amazon Prime, you know, so uh, it was it was supposed to be reverent. It's supposed to be high quality. It's supposed to be um, quite funny, um, with you know distinct humor, and we succeeded at what we did not succeed in is we not succeed in making money. So in two, and remember one thing: South African market uh, is controlled by the SABC and a, and a couple of big big media, some of the multinational companies. Uh, so it's very difficult to break through. You know, because they control printing, they control uh, um, distribution, they control sales. You know, and all of them they were my comp- competitors. And uh, and for some reason they didn't like uh, like me for saying that they they're rubbish. <laughs> you know? so, I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that can so, bother people. Yeah. So by 2008, um, the crisis hit, and um, um, also advertising um, went down, and basically we ran out of money. In, so in 
December to 2008, we um, we went down. The, okay. the whole company went down. And so Maverick and Empire magazines were closed. And, uh, um, you know, I, I knew by then that the only thing I, uh, that, that I can do from now on is actually to go online. And, uh, and then I, for the first time in my life, I actually looked at the publishing from the, from the um, position of the online publisher, online editor, and the reader, you know. And especially in South African, South African uh, context, um, I, find, I find out that um, um, online was mostly seen as a dumping space. Yeah. For, for everything, rather than uh, the space for, for quality journalism. And uh, um, so, yeah, it, it, uh, the day uh, it was announced that, that Maverick Magazine and Empire closing down, I designed uh, the first iteration of, of, of Daily Maverick. And it took, me, it took me quite a few months to convince somebody to put some money into it. So Daily Maverick you guys like to cause some trouble, right? I mean, like I, I get the sense that the South African <laughs> oh, yeah. media market is a sort of overall is like a little bit, it's a bit cozy. It's a bit old school, yeah. doesn't make yeah. waves and stuff like this. South Africa as a country is incredibly complex. Um, yeah. a, a, and the government, particularly at that time, I believe we're into like the Zuma years. Um, it went from the, the sort of, oh, Mandela and stuff like this to, uh, Zuma, who was like, I yeah. think I could say is like sort of famously corrupt. Um, yeah. So explain the sort of role that that you saw for Daily Maverick in in really just telling the truth about what is going on in the country. Yeah. Look, the, 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 again, one of the things that you that you wanted to do, and that the other thing is the things you can do. Yeah. Um, what we wanted to do, we want to bring quality to to um, South African space. Uh, online space that was the first and foremost and the second thing was is to tell the truth unvarnished if necessary and uh, even if it pisses off and whoever that pisses off you know uh, and that was that was a very important um, um, uh, decision uh, because we were unaligned not aligned to, to any of the interests uh, we didn't were not causing with any advertisers big advertisers we were just us you know and we were you know, and we were actually in those days. Remember, you know, we, were, we were young, scrappy, and some of us were pretty unhappy with the way that Maverick magazine went down. And we were ready for a fight, and that's what happened. You know, we managed to um, um, four or five of us um, got together from from the ashes of Maverick magazine. We then uh, attracted some more more people, and then you know, there's another thing that happened is that uh, Zuma's era started in 2009, same year. You know? yeah. So we literally came on uh, on board as uh, the first excesses of Zuma Zuma's uh, yeah. um, you know, age started uh, coming and, through. And and like, is it that like pre Zuma, like any? I mean, there was problems, right? But like, I think I feel were, like people problems, didn't, didn't yeah. want to like talk about them because there was still the sort of ANC still had a halo, the, the Mandela halo, yeah. probably around it. I mean, he's a national icon, hero, yeah. and George Washington yeah. and Gandhi yeah. rolled into one. Yeah. Whereas yeah. With Zuma, it's kind of like with Trump. We've always had problems, but they've become like so, so obvious. Just, just impossible to avoid, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Look, look. I mean, uh, Zuma's predecessor, Tabu Mbeki, um, um, he, uh, you know, actually never really um, uh, accepted that HIV causes AIDS. Yeah. You know, 
And, uh, you know, there's some estimates that 300,000 people died unneeded, unnecessarily for, because of his um, policies. And, you know, he surrounded himself with quacks, you know, and, you know, those quacks uh, basically, you know, uh, cost so many people life. And, you uh, um, and competence is a ma major problem in South African space. So as, we, as Zuma arrived, it just became so obvious and so out there that you literally couldn't, uh, it's, it's like Trump, you know, every month there's a, you know, okay, Trump is probably off, 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 off charts, but let's say Zuma is on the upper level. Of I don't know, from what I read possible. about Zuma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I just think that Trump is, because America is a bigger country. Yeah. You know, but he, but the Zuma, scale, the Zuma scale literally. is larger, for sure. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the, the, was, in so many ways, Zuma, Zuma was, was actually um, uh, Trump's predecessor. Uh, I'll actually, I will email you something that I wrote about. The, uh, so we, we came into that, in, in that space, and we were ready and willing to actually fight. You know, fight the fight for the truth. And we also were ready to, to um, we, we were not, not afraid of anybody. So we were yeah. building a, a, a name quite steadily. And then what happened uh, was um, the massacre of, at Maricana. I don't know if you know about that one. Uh, yeah. That was a massacre where, the, where 34 miners were mm -hmm. literally uh, killed in front. Some of them were killed in front they of the They were protesting, members. right? And they got, they got massacred. They wanted more, they wanted more money. You yeah. know? And there were, uh, were, were, were mistakes on all sides. Um, and uh, let's just say incompetence uh, was aided with, uh, you know, corruption was aided by incompetence. And then all of that was uh, then aided by heartlessness, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, what happened with that, with, that, with that massacre was actually, um, um, it caught South African media in really uh, in, a, in a bad way. Because what South African media for many, many years got used to is basically going to press conferences and reporting. You know, there were fewer investigative outfits. Um, but most of the time, you know, they were going to press conferences and reporting from there, you know. So in Marikana massacre case, uh, that amounted to basically going to murderous press conferences and reporting what the murderers were saying, you know. And, and that's where, that's we, um, um, especially um, a guy called Greg Marinovich. I don't know if you heard about um, um, the, the Bang Bang Club. Uh, there, was a, there was a movie Okay, there, there was a there was a um, group of four photographers, famous photographers, Pulitzer Prize winners. Mm -hmm. Two of them were winners uh, who actually captured the, the South African um, war, essentially silent war. Uh, and one of them, Greg Marinovich, was working with Daily Maverick in those days, and he he smelled something was wrong. And we managed to, in, within two weeks, we managed to um, build a case that it was actually. Um, uh, at least half of the uh, uh, miners were killed in a, in a calculated murder. It was yeah. calculated murder, assassination of them. And um, what was fascinating is that is that entire media was against us at that moment because it just did not fit the narrative. It was two weeks after the after the massacre, and quite a few of them were basically just happy to forget it. And we never we didn't want to forget. We actually wanted to, to push it through the. And eventually, we were proven right. So that 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 was a, that was a um, one of the major points. So that helped us uh, establish yeah. Daily Maverick as a as a place of of reference, essentially. So explain to me also, because um, then I want to talk about the business model. Um, cool. Uh, the Guptas, because I think it's like a very South African um, yeah. uh, story, yeah. and I think it it sort of shines a light on sort of the need for independent media. 
Yeah. You know, the, the Guptas themselves, they arrived to South Africa a few years after me, the, the, the Indian traders. And uh, they were looking for the places where they can actually apply their trade, uh, which was basically Russia. <laughs> Uh, so they tried. They tried in China. They tried in um, in Singapore and settled in South Africa because South Africa was basically um, almost uh, innocent in those days in terms yeah. of um, in terms of corruption. Because you know what you had, they had this entirely new new um, government, entire set of people in power, and uh, quite a few of them were actually you know really they really struggled through through their lives. Most of them spent their lives in in uh, exile, you know, yeah. so they couldn't actually make a living. So, so Guptas managed to um, zero in on them and within a few years, they managed to establish a um, really strong, strong um, empire. Uh, then what happened is that um, Zuma in 2005 uh, was fired by, by President Mbeki. Uh, and, uh, and then they sensed that there's this, there must be something about him. So they actually took a punt on him and help him. And by 2009, Zuma became president, the, their fortunes literally took off. Um, by 2011, 12, 13, they literally take, took over the country. They were, by 2017, they were basically, uh, 2000, sorry, 15, they were appointing ministers. Oh. You know, they were, they were, they, they were, they were basically re replaced the minister of finance because he was not good for their, <laughs> for their business. So they basically, through controlling Zuma, they controlled the entire country. Okay, and you get, and and Delhi Maverick investigated the Guptas. Look, the all of us in the media were investigating Guptas because yeah. um, you know people in the streets didn't know about Guptas until 2013 when they organized this extravagant wedding for for um, one one of the members of of the family, and and that wedding. Um, so let me give you an idea. Um, think about uh, a plane of of. Um, you know, guests coming from India to St. Andrew's base, <laughs> any of your, any of your <laughs> military bases, okay. la landing there. And then um, the local police organizing them um, a clear passage um, for 150 kilometers um, with all the streets closed to a place called Sun City to have this, um, you know, grotesque um, um, celebration. And that moment, the, the country became uh, aware of them. And then and they became basically... Um, famous for, or infamous for being the rulers of South Africa, essentially. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. So, I mean, obviously, you know, during all this period, you're, you're trying to build an ambitious um, independent media company yeah. and um, you want to tell the truth. And so that's going to rub some people the wrong way. And that's never good for business generally. And, no, um, no. and, and your previous publication had, had collapsed because it couldn't find a business model. Talk to me about finding a business model that works, that allows you to do, you know, like markets like South Africa and frankly here, like you need this, these kind of publications that can, that can, you know, tell the truth and be ambitious. So how do you find a business model that, that works? Um, it took us 10 years or 11 okay. years if <laughs> we uh, found, found it as well. Look, in those days uh, when, we, when we launched, uh, Facebook and Google still didn't take, take away um, 70, 60 or 70 percent of the market, you know. And remember, South African market was already small to start with. And even then, uh, the print markets were dwarfing in uh, online markets. So we quickly realized that we have no chance, literally. If we, if we, if we, if we do um, advertising model, we're just going to close down. It's just yeah. always, you know. 
Um, so then we, what we turned and, and to... And if I could just uh, jump in, I, I always feel mm-hmm. like, like markets in like South Africa that are smaller figure this out earlier than markets like the U.S. Because the U.S. is so yeah. big that like people fool themselves and they're like, well, even if they take like 70%, that's still 30% of a big pie and we can... But like when you're yep. in a market... Uh, like uh, the size of South Africa, you can't fool yourself. You can't. You can't <laughs> because you close down. You just close down, literally. Yeah. So what we've done in our case, um, we <laughs> we basically begged and borrowed. We didn't steal, but we begged and borrowed. <laughs> and uh, we we spoke to, we actually um, got the family, you know, full family, friends. Uh, and as we were going uh, bigger and more important as our stories are becoming more influential and as the story starting to, to you know change the you know agenda of the country change the the um, you know the, like in Maricana case and many cases afterwards it start becoming really influential uh, what we do people started realizing that we are um, you know we need to be around you know even if we if we struggle to, to to pay the salaries, we need to be around. And look, for a long time we were actually quite cheap because uh, to to run because um, essentially um, it was editorial team plus Stilly, my business partner, who was a CEO, who was running the running the whole thing for us. Sure. Um, and uh, you know, after some time, we started attracting the 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 the, 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 the um, attention of foundations. You know, and, and the foundations helped us. Um, you know. Um, you know, bridge those really terrible periods. I mean, there were there were there were times where we were basically, um, you know, salary salary days tomorrow, and we have nothing on our account, literally mm-hmm. nothing. You know, the cobwebs on our account. You know, uh, but you know, we somehow managed to 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 to, to struggle to to survive. That we never been late with the salaries. We never been you know we never missed the salaries. We never missed any of those things. Uh, but it was a struggle. It was a serious struggle. In our case, what happened is. Um, we realized that you know we must develop a multiple channels of income, you know, and uh, um, you know those multiple channels of income should actually uh, make it possible for us to to mm-hmm. um, you know survive. And that's what you didn't happened. have a paywall, like I mean, because like I, I wonder no. about like because no. you know there's usually it's it's hard enough to get uh, to to make subscriptions work. Um, but like you know, there is a kind of north-south divide. I mean, when you're in the when you're in like the Scandinavian countries, like it's like oh yeah, people in like Sweden are all paying for you know dog's blot, whatever. Like, but then when you get down into uh, into other even like southern European countries, the the it's really harder to make subscriptions work. So I would guess in South Africa, like particularly digital subscriptions are pretty tough to make work. It's almost impossible size of the market is such. Uh, and also remember, South Africa is a country with the greatest Gini quotient in the world. Yeah. And, uh, and it is also a country of really, really poor, a lot of poor, poor people. And there was a story um, a few, few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, um, and it says, um, you know, um, the quality of journalism is behind the paywall and lies up for free. You know? Mm. <laughs> and uh, and the, the reality is, is that, is that South African people need to know the truth. Okay, need to understand what's going on. You know, and as a matter of principle, I really don't think we we should uh, let only people that have a checkbook be able to know what the truth is. Yeah, I mean, news accurate news should not be a luxury good. Like exactly, exactly. Right? So you know, again, you're absolutely right. The argument may may work for in Norway. You know, where you have basically no no poor people. 
when uh, 80% of your country is poor. And those 80% are actually people who go out and vote, you know. You should actually be able to inform them. So, um, you know, I was always against. There's, there's another, another philosophical element that I really, really subscribe to strongly. Um, you can't go against the grain of your product. Mm-hmm. You know, when you write a story, built in in that story is the need and desire to be read as much as possible, as many times as possible. So if you're actually limited by paywall, you know, you're going against the grain of your product. Well, wait, I would actually push back on that <laughs> because like, yes, isn't, the, isn't the goal to have the, the, the biggest impact possible? Now, sometimes that is yeah. being read uh, by the most amount of people, but if you're going for impact, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe it's the same, but, but, the same thing. No, but we, we, have imp- we have impact. Yeah, we are read by the, by the you know, most important people in South Africa, but we also read by the even people who, who can't afford to pay for it. Yeah. yeah, so the, you got okay. you got the impact, but the whole idea is that is that you know to me there's another. You don't want to just be read by the elites. Exactly, exactly. Uh, look, we influence elites, but I also want to want, want to uh, you know pull people to understand what's going on. There's there's another element here I think which which I, which I'm really keen to 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 to, to uh, get across. You know when when uh, Murdoch said you know you paid for information in print, so you should pay online. I think that one, one should actually understand that what he was talking about is um, you're paying for the newspapers, but you were, you were not paying for the newspaper. You were paying for the, so you were contributing to the printing and distribution of that newspaper. Mm-hmm. And everything else was paid by advertising. The problem is, is that when we, when we went to online advertising, that the pricing of online advertising for years was depressed terrifyingly. And then Facebook and Google came in and just destroyed it. Shuttered it. So I just, you know, we, we did not pay for information in print. We were, we were paying for fixing and distributing that information, in print, just to be clarified, uh, clear there. Um, but they, anyway, in, in, our, in our case, what actually happened in South Africa is that our, our competitors um, went uh, behind paywall um, and they did not have a good experience, you know, because, you know, as, as um, um, David Carr uh, said in a uh, once, and he's one of my biggest heroes. He said once, um, you know, when you go on, on uh, payroll, keep, then you realize, start realizing how really big and, you know, and com- committed your audience is. And, you know, a lot of our competitors went payroll and did not really do well, you know. So, so our solution for, for having a, you see, but there was no, there was no doubt and there was no, um, you, you can't debate the issue that you need income from your from your readers, you know, to be part of your of your uh, streams of income that that you that you you, you know you, that, that you're feeding into the company, but we really do not believe that that uh, you know um, the paywall is a is a way to go. So what we what we've done um, we we designed something called Maverick Insider, which is a, a membership model. Okay, so. And I think it's really important philosophically again to say, you know, yeah. when you have a pay, when you have a paywall, what do you say to the to, to to your reader? You are my customer. This is the product. Product costs you this much, you know. And then the customer on the other side says, okay, this is the product. Okay, can I afford it? Do I want it? Is it good enough? Do I have, do I have time to use it? You know. So there are very rational decisions about it, you know. So it's a left left brain decision. What mm-hmm. we say to in, with, with Maverick Insider, we say, help us actually make this possible for people who cannot pay. Yeah, be part of something bigger. Be part of, part of something really beautiful. You know, 
and it works out really well for us. It's an emotional decision. So give me some numbers. Like, I'll give you an idea. We, over the last two years, we, we, we gained 13,000 members. Okay. Okay. And what is also incredibly important is that our numbers are now the, the actually speeding up, you know, uh, because you would, you would expect that, you know, yeah. uh, the numbers would go down. No, actually, they're speeding up. So, so we have, every month now that comes, we actually set a new record. So uh, this month, we, we're going to have um, almost 1,500 people. Uh, uh, sign up as, as a medic insiders and and we give them benefits we give them benefits which are you know they they get you know they get to comment on our stories they they um, they have preferred sitting at our events you know they get a newsletter they um, and other stuff uh, we also give them 100 bucks in in um, 100 rand in uber vouchers if they pay more than 150 rand but but the core of it is it's but the core like, it is support it is it's support. more like the guardian kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's it's a soft it, it pitch. Is. I think a lot of times when we talk about this quote unquote pivot to paid, we think about paywalls mm-hmm. when we think about access and stuff. But there are a lot of different ways to to do it, and I think this is yeah, this absolutely. is a particular way. And, and like you said, it has to fit with the ethos of the publication. And the country, and the country. You yeah, see, every country has its own. Yeah. So what, what, what we, we looked at the Guardian model and we liked it. What we wanted to do more is that not only that we uh, getting funds from, from, from people who support us, there's another element here that's rather important is that we're creating a community, you know, and that community supports us in many ways, you know. Um, that community, uh, quite a few of them are experts in their areas. They can help us uh, once we do our stories. Quite a few of them, actually can help us with business. Some of them have, you know, we were struggling with the space. We made a call to our, to our members and we came up with a really good space for us, you know. So, um, and many, many more uh, things. We, our, our community members are also um, uh, managing our comment sections, you know. Yeah. There are people, you know, and, and, and the, the beautiful part of what we do right now, for at least in my mind, is people want to be part of something beautiful. And it's not about us selling them product. It's about us, you know, uh, letting them be part of a dream. And I, and I really think it's, it's, it's wonderful and important because, you know, uh, not only that we are really successful in that, it's actually, um, it, it's, it is making us feel good about it. You know, and we don't stop anybody from uh, reading everything about every single story from, that we publish. It's really important as well, you know. So it worked out really well, I must admit. Okay, so um, you know what is what do you see next for the Insider Program? Um, obviously, it's it's accelerating, so that's good because you know usually you hit a wall yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course you will eventually. Yeah. Uh, so what is next to, to get to go to? Next? I mean, because like advertising is going to be okay, but um, yeah. you know if you're committed to making this all free, you know the the membership has to do most of the hard yeah. work. Yeah, look, we, we are already covering um, uh, a big part of uh, expenses um, by, by the insider, insider contributions every month. Um, I'd say 25% of our, of our costs are covered by them, you know. And uh, we, we're looking forward basically just to establishing a stronger and stronger relationship with them. And, uh, you know, we established a, a book division, we established a Film division, I mean, our film uh, Influence um, about uh, Tim Belt from Bill Pottinger actually premiered on Sundance this year. This year. It was our first, first movie that we ever made, you know, and they are part of the journey. And, you know, um, what will come our way, um, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, you know, um, 
matter of our imagination and uh, their needs as well. But we, the beauty of it is that we really feel good about it and they feel good about it as well. So, Branko, we're at a time when a lot of people are, are trying to get out of print, <laughs> get into digital. We've printed in the past. Um, you're sort of going in the opposite direction. Talk, talk to me about yeah. that. Yeah. Look, we, we are launching a, a, a weekly newspaper called Daily Baby 168. And um, it, is, it is about, um, you know, let me give you, a, 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 again, a philosophical idea behind. It's about bringing, you know, the success of vinyl you know, of, of the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, we believe that there's a space for print uh, and to bring you back experiences the way vinyl brings you, you know, the, benef- the beautiful experiences on, in, in a, in, of music. What the idea is, is that to create a newspaper that you buy on a weekend and actually have a time for yourself. You know, um, excuse to switch off the cell phones, put them away, and mm. to make a cup of coffee and just spend time with themselves, you know. And uh, yeah, so we, we, tomorrow we're launching a pilot edition and uh, at the end of September we launch, we're launching it pro- uh, properly. And so will the model be advertising? Yeah, ad- advertising. advertising. This... Uh, and, you know, the, okay. the, the prices in advertising space are still, still much, much, much better. Uh, literally order of magnitude better than in online space. So um, we, we, we think this, this product can actually um, establish itself uh, as, a, as a profitable very, very soon. But it's, it's more important than that. It, you know, it is, uh, it is a, another platform to, to, to basically just tell the truth, you know, uh, in, a, yeah. in a different way. You know, but we are very excited about this one. All right, Branko, we're going to leave it there. Um, but mm-hmm. I want to thank you for, for joining us today from uh, Cape Town. Thank you. No problem. And thank you all for listening. Um, we will be back next week with a new episode.